In today's media-saturated world, how can we use media to advance the gospel? Hi, I'm Joel Moutre, and you're listening to the Learn and Share podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Clive Coutte, who shares his powerful testimony of how he followed God's call in his life to leave his job at BBC to start a full-time media ministry. Welcome, Clive. It's awesome to have you on the show, on this podcast episode. And today I'm excited because we're talking about media, mm-hmm. digital media, and how young people can spread the gospel through that. Traditionally, we think of preaching, evangelistic series, being a doctor or a missionary. But so often nowadays, there are just great opportunities. The attention of the people is really going to our cell phones mm-hmm. and tablets and videos and YouTube and, and whatnot. And so there's also this conflict of, is social media bad? Should I be doing it, et cetera? So I'm excited to talk to you about this today. But to begin, what is what is your passion? Obviously media, but why is it your passion? How'd you get into it? So um, I grew up as Seventh-day Adventist in the church. Um, and I, I will share a little bit about my testimony later. <clears throat> but um, in the early 70s, um, I obviously wasn't born, but my dad was. And um, people weren't really doing media back then. Um, but my dad had this old camera and it was like a, um, you know, it had the wheel on tape for the recording. And he would stand up in church and he would um, film the sermons each week. And um, he'd go home and he would manually copy those tapes and give them to anybody who wanted them and without charging them, you know, just to try as his little ministry of spreading the gospel. And um, so he really got me on this path of of media. But as we got into the early 90s, um, basically everything switched from analog to digital. So we now have the DVD era. Now you're editing on a computer, you're not doing things manually. Um, And my dad was computer illiterate. So I was about 11, 12 at the time, and I knew how to use a computer. And um, he basically forced me (laughs) in a nice way to start editing these sermons um, and getting them onto DVDs for people. So that was sort of the, the journey in. And in the, being a young person, you know, being interested in technology and computers, I, you know, I started to like, you know, work out how to do things and enjoy it. And then in 2003, um, the tsunami happened in Indonesia. It was quite a devastating tsunami. I don't know if anyone remembers. Loads of people died. I know we've recently just had one again. But um, my dad was hosting a concert at church and um, my church holds 600 members. So it's quite a big church in London. And um, basically, he, he basically packed out the whole church with people from the community. So mayors, professionals, doctors, nurses, lawyers, um, and basically told the members, this, is, this isn't for you. Um, and he told me, um, I want you to, and by the way, all of this was for Adra to raise money for the people in Indonesia. Um, and he told me, I want you to create this video where um, we're going to play it right before the offering and you need to make it super emotional. And that way, um, you know, people seeing the clips, people seeing various different things that are taking place in Indonesia and then um, people, you know, give lots of money to obviously go and help the cause. Um, To cut a long story short, uh, they did the offering and um, I made the the video, sorry, backtrack, I made the video and um, I really enjoyed it, first of all. It was the first sort of creative thing I did outside of event production, which I'm going to go into, into a little bit later. Um, it was the first thing I did outside of event production. And it was like this creative thing. I really enjoyed it, but I was still really young, so I had a lot to learn. Um, but anyway, they did the offering, and it was the highest amount of money they'd ever received um, for, for an offering for something for Adra. Um, but actually, in the audience happened to be a BBC producer, um, which I didn't know. And this person um, approached um, 
members at church and was asking who made the video. Um, and then she introduced herself to me, they found out it was me. I was 11 years old, 11 or 12 at the time. And um, <clears throat> she, um, she was really impressed with the work and she invited me to come do work experience at the young age at the BBC to basically shadow how they do things professionally. And um, I watched how they did it. And after I left the work experience, I was like, in my mind, I had, that's my career path. This is what I'm gonna do. And that's sort of how I got on this journey of intermediate production. That's really awesome. That's exciting. Now, there might be somebody here that, you know, like, they're like, I don't know how to use a camera. I don't know how to, I'm not a podcaster. You know, I don't, I'm not a photographer, et cetera. We're talking about digital missions here. What is something that they can do to be involved in digital missions or maybe even how to figure out if you like it? How do they, you know, how can everyone be a digital missionary? Oh, I, I say with, um, with anything you get into, there has to be small investment, whether that's money, whether that's time. Um, there has to be some kind of small investment. So the first thing they need to do is, if they're really interested about it, you need to go study it. And I'm not talking about go pay thousands, thousands, thousands of pounds. M me, myself, um, I had a different career path as I became late, uh, got later on in life. Um, my goal was to work for Hollywood, so I went and studied a film and video production degree. Um, as, as, a, as a young man, I sort of left the church in my mind. But to those people out there who want to do this, I will say YouTube is your best friend. You know, 95% of what I learn these days, even at my age, I'm still learning, you know, because new technology is coming out, is off YouTube. Most of my degree, apart from the theory side, um, I learned on YouTube. You, well, you can learn on YouTube now, sorry. So um, I would say, like, find videos, um, speak to people, network, um, find people at conferences or find them on Facebook, um, connect with them, and um, get advice from them. I think it's really really important now to get advice from from older people because the technology's gone so far now where um, the entry level isn't new so when I was younger like we just switched from manual to digital we just um, switched from SLR cameras to DSLR cameras with video and stuff and it was all still very new so if I was to go to an older person and say hey can you teach me how to use this DSLR camera they'll be like well that's not what we used to use we use SLR cameras it's very different so um, for me now, people have got so much older um, and the technology's got up to date where, where someone could come to me and I could teach them how to do it. Um, so I would say get advice from older people. Let's continue talking about developing skills mm -hmm. uh, as a digital missionary. And uh, one thing that a lot of people have this mentality is that they need to, you know, traditional education goes like get your, get your full education and then you go out and work. Mm -hmm. Whereas with creatives, it's a little bit differently. Uh, explain, you know, should somebody wait to do that? Or I, I know you talk about asking people to go to YouTube, et cetera, and how to do it. What's other ways that they can develop? And should they wait until they know everything? Or should they go out and try? Or what, what should they For do? me, you've got to learn on the job. I say, um, I, I speak to, to young kids now, and they're like, you know, what should I do? Should I start? Should I go? Just what you're saying. And I'm like, the first thing I say is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just learn from those mistakes because those mistakes is what's gonna help you better in the future. So um, I would say get a small camera, um, get a small audio device if it's podcasting, you know, whatever it is you wanna do, whether photography, audio, video, graphic design, just start. The key is to, to step out in faith and start. And people might say, well, I don't have, have the amazing, amazing equipment. Well, the Bible says those who are faithful in little are faithful in, mu in much, which is Luke 16.10. So um, be faithful in what you have. And even if that's a phone, these phones these days can do so much stuff. And as you step out in faith and do this and start shooting mission stories or start doing small podcasts with your phone or start doing this and start doing that, then God will bless you. If your heart is in it and, and um, 
and you're doing this for the Lord um, and there's talent there and raw talent, God will guide your path and to help you grow and to improve it if you put him at the center. I love it. I love it. Now, when it comes to media, like you said, you work for BBC uh, in England and then you also had a career path of working for Hollywood. Talk to us about, uh, as a Christian, how should you be careful uh, not only in consuming media, because that is part of the job mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, but also learning. And is there work as a Christian, uh, as a videographer, or do you have to go out and do secular weddings and all that kind of stuff? Uh, tell us a little bit about the challenges um, and your convictions and your journey when it comes to being a Christian in the media realm. Okay. So um, my conviction happened when I was in my third year of uni. Um, as I mentioned before, I sort of lost my way um, growing up in the church where, where church eventually became just a building for me and my experience wasn't there with Christ himself. So as I entered university to study a film and video degree, um, we were learning a lot of stuff in the early years that were, would go against my Christian beliefs, um, creating things as well that go against my Christian beliefs. Um, but at that point in my life, I wasn't, I wasn't, I would, I would call myself, I wasn't a Christian, you know, I was very far from that. Um, in my third year, Um, of university someone um, invited me to listen to him preach and um, I I said okay I'll come and I I listened to a sermon and um, he first of all the sermon convicted me and it made me think about my life and wanted to change things around Um, but it it started a seed in my mind and um, cut a long story short eventually I gave my heart back back to Christ Um, And then I went to church and I heard another sermon another time, must have been a couple of months later. And I couldn't tell you what that sermon's about right now, but I had a huge conviction that whatever I did, I wanted to do for God. And I went home, I got down on my hands and knees and I said, Lord, I've got a media degree. Well, I'm about to graduate with a film and video production degree. I have no idea what I can do with my talent that you've given me, but I want to commit this talent to you. And I heard a very distinct voice say, I want you to start a media ministry. And I was like, I don't have any equipment. That was the first thing, you know, that's that's, that's always, you know, you you sort of disqualify yourself straight away. You start to find excuses why you shouldn't do it. So I was like, well, I don't have any equipment. I'm not, I'm not, I've got no experience doing this. The voice happened again. I want you to start a media ministry. And again, deliberating with God, I want you to start a media ministry. He didn't tell me anything else apart from I want you to start a media ministry. And um, I was like, eventually I ended the conversation. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I had no money. I had no camera, nothing personal, nothing. The very next morning, a friend of mine, um, his mother, who I'd not spoken to, she received a tax rebate for quite a substantial amount of money. We hadn't had this conversation. I hadn't told anybody about my conviction or the conversation I had. She found in her heart to approach me and my friend I said, hey, take this money and buy a camera. And the, the money she had was the exact amount of money for the camera that we had actually been looking at previously. So we bought this camera and that was my journey into, into media ministry. And from then on, I said, Lord, whatever I do, I'm doing it for you. Tell us a little bit about the challenges of doing that. Because, I mean, it's almost like doing a startup company. Mm-hmm. And at this point, did you have a family and kids at all? Or? No, I, d- I didn't have a family at that point. Um, this was in 2011. Um, 
but because of the ministry that got started I, I ended up with a family <laughs> so um I found my wife through the ministry um so that's a blessing so guys if you, you want to get married start a ministry I'm just joking <laughs> um but no um there was huge challenges um but I can tell you how it all started first of all um I have a friend and um he had recently become an Adventist and his his wife now um, but it was his girlfriend at the time. She had moved back to Brazil. And um, Dean had just been baptized. And he'd, he'd been asked to, to do his first sermon, to preach his first sermon. And, and he was living with me at the time. And he said, Clive, can you, can you film my sermon so that um, Dorling, his wife, could watch it online? Because he wanted to experience the first sermon. So um, this was back when like YouTube ministries weren't really big. There wasn't really much sermons online. There wasn't stuff really going on. So um, I went and filmed a sermon and we put it on online and um, we shared it with her. She was able to watch it, praise God. Um, but within a week, we noticed that the sermon had 250 views and we hadn't shared it with anybody apart from her. It had just like stacked up views. I guess maybe Dean's friends or, you know, other people who knew that we were filming may have watched it and maybe shared it. So after a week, I mean, 250 views in these days in a week isn't that much. Um, but for us as really young kids, we're like, wow, why don't we do this all the time? You know, that's 250 extra people that have seen a sermon that would have, have not come to church. So um, we were like, we should do this all the time. So um, we started filming sermons on a regular basis. You know, there was a group of guys in London that we would follow around and we'd film them. I'd film more sermons with Dean. Then we started filming music videos. We started filming testimonies. Um, and sort of this ministry organically just grew. You know, um, we were trying to find a name for the ministry. Um, and after the first sermon, um, a group of friends were like, well, you know, and, and initially we were only going to do sermons. So we were like, um, well... He's preaching, so why don't we call it Preaching Place? So we called the sermon, pre we called the ministry Preaching Place. And that's literally how the, the ministry grew. And the, the goal was to sort of be like a, a video version of Audioverse, um, which, was, which was just growing back then. So before you know it, this thing you know, grew really big. By the end of the year, we had had hundreds of thousands of views across the multiple things that we were doing. We started to discover that people were really, really sharing and listening to testimonies when they were filmed. And you put some good music in the background, make them really short and punchy. Um, and this thing just really, really just took off. And um, before you knew it, the ministry started supporting us. You know, people were given donations and, you know, would get called to do things abroad in different countries here and there. And um, literally, the ministry just grew and we started to support ourselves that way. But... You know, as people got older, when we started getting families, families, you know, uh, uh, donations is, is, is enough to, to, I guess, support one person. <laughs> but when you start having kids and have a family, stuff did start getting really, really tough. And um, I remember um, I was at a crossroads one time and um, I said to myself, um, I'm going to go back and work at Sky. Um, and I did. I went back and I worked two shifts because I was finding it really tough financially to support a family and survive. I went back and worked two shifts. And um, in my mind, there was just a burden and a conviction that this just, this just this wasn't for me anymore. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have my mind on, on God's work and try and do stuff on the side, um, which goes against those Christian beliefs. So I left Sky again. And um, it's really when I, I started to push my, I say, my freelance business. Um, and that was where I was just filming people's weddings. I was doing corporate work as well, but I was um, doing like short documentaries and adverts. But when you're working for yourself, you can pick and choose. 
You know, I had someone phone me one time who'd seen my videos and seen my websites and they were like, um, you know, we're, we're about to start up this club um, and, you know, we really want a promotional video. Um, and they tried to sell it to me and I was like, sorry, you know, that goes against my beliefs. I can't do that. But when, you, when you're now working for yourself, you have the power to do those things. So um, I was very selective. I was doing adverts for, you know, all kinds of companies, uh, British Land, for example, they own basically all the land in England. <laughs> so um, they were doing some internal videos, you know, various other different bits and pieces, documentaries here and there. But as I started to grow in my, in my work, people within the church, you know, started to notice the sort of things that I was doing. And as you, as you build, you make contacts with people. Um, but I would say this, it, it takes sacrifice. Um, I'm here at GYC doing the media, and I've been doing the media here for the last five years. And um, that first started because I, I did the media for free at GYC Europe. And, um, you know, there was a few econ members that were there, and they, they liked what we were doing, and they asked me to come over to America. And it was through sacrifice and doing stuff for free um, and taking risks that, you know, the ministry was able to grow and be able to support ourselves for the last, you know, few years. I think that's awesome. Um, one thing that I want to talk about, Clive, is maybe taking a step back and briefly talk about digital evangelism in a bird's eye view, because we think of there's three ways to communicate, written, audio, and visual. You know, you have the traditional newspaper and books, which is written. Uh, then you have the visual, which is TV, um, as well as the audio, which is traditionally radio. Even before that, like, you know, speeches, the Colosseum, hieroglyphics, you know, like there's always been sure. audio, written, visual. Now, talk to us about where media is at now um, and how and why it's important for the Christian um, to be involved in digital missions uh, and, and the impact it has on people. You, you mentioned YouTube and how it, you, you preach one sermon and then all of a sudden it multiplied to hundreds and, and, and then thousands. Why is it different than regular TV uh, and radio and, and with a digital and social age? How are things changed? Sure. So I think um, people these days, um, the, the, the trend is I want to listen to this now on my times. I want to watch this now on my time. I don't want to sit in front of a TV. I don't want to sit in front of a TV and um, basically uh, have to wait for my program to come on. I want to now. If we live in this immediate generation. You buy something on Amazon, it comes the next day. You know, and if it comes in three days or five days, you're like, ah, oh. you know, we've we've lost the, we've lost patience in our in as we, as we've grown up. Now, why th why is this important? Because everyone has a smartphone. Most people in the Western world, I would say, have a smartphone. In fact, most people in other countries, not even in the Western world, have a smartphone these days. And um, everything is so immediate and so instant and so um, straight directly in front of you. If you want to do something, you can do it right here. Now, all jokes aside, most people take these smartphones in the toilet with them. You know, this, is, this, this thing goes with you everywhere. So the reason why it's so important is because people want things instantly and they want it now. So when you record a podcast, when you record a video and put it on the web, it's now available indefinitely, infinitely, forever. So you could record something now and, you know, it, God willing, we're not here in 20 years. But if we are still here, someone may stumble across it in 20 years. And that same piece of content that you've created is still going to be there. And it may impact them and bring them to Christ. So this is why it's so important, because it's timeless. Put it that way. It's timeless. I love that too, and, and I think it's a great idea because, like you said, it's literally it makes it immortal. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and, and what's beautiful, even with my own personal podcast, 
you know, people message me way later and they say, oh, I randomly found this this episode of yours. Thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, had it been radio, it would have been disappeared forever. You exactly. Know, it, it just disappears. Also, I like it because it's social. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's beautiful, even though social media can be a curse <laughs> if you if you let it control you, the phone and the social media, not only does it now, but it also creates vi- virality, uh, which is beautiful because if you like something, you don't have to be like, oh, I wish you to listen to that radio station at that one program at three o'clock. You literally say, hey, let me share this with you. Exactly. And so when it comes to evangelism, many times we think of sharing as like passing out tracks and preaching, et cetera. But literally sharing a podcast episode, sharing a YouTube video, sharing uh, an Instagram graphic or, or post with somebody, it's like sharing pamphlets. It's like sharing glow tracks or digital glow tracks, digital sermons, which I think is such a great, great way of doing it. Now let's transition into a testimony. Uh, let's talk about uh, how you've seen, te- uh, actually, let me rephrase that. We just talked about how vital it is for people to be involved in digital mission- missions. It's, it's really the old school missionary work been transformed and made more effective through the internet. Can you share some stories, maybe even from your personal experiences or that you've heard how digital missions, your your videos or your podcasts have actually been a blessing and changed people's lives? Okay, yeah. So the first thing that springs to mind is um, we started a ministry about two years ago called Lineage um, where we, you know, we create historical videos, um, but we make them in a, I would say in a dynamic, cinematic um, appear uh, appealing to young people and not necessarily Adventist people um, and trying to teach them about about history so at first it was the Reformation we were we, we created 48 episodes um, three to five minutes long really short on different reformers on different things that took place in history but that was season one season two is 52 episodes and we transitioned in how the Reformation didn't just stop in Europe but you know uh, the Mayflower came over here in America and um, we had the birth of the Puritan movement. And then, you know, out of that came the Advent movement and uh, Seventh-day Adventism came today. So we followed this journey of how it came to America. But then through America, it then spread back around the world to the circle. So the gospel sort of went full circle. Now, I, I share this because um, we, we created these videos and we put them online. And YouTube is available to most people in the Western world um, free of charge. Um, but we heard that um, they were being blocked in China, for example. Um, but we had found out that um, someone had been ripping our videos of YouTube and putting them on WhatsApp and distributing them across WhatsApp to people in China. Um, so, so why this is impactful? Because, hey, I don't know how many people have been impact, impacted, but that's what's amazing. I couldn't tell you, hey, one person has been impacted by, by my lineage videos. Actually, this is so timeless. This is so infinite. This media is so out there that you will never know how many people you've impacted until you get to heaven. And I find that like amazing because for some reason, God always gives you the testimony of that media or a small snippet of how that has impacted people at the right time. So there may be a time when I'm discouraged and all of a sudden I hear, bam, I heard um, from my father, he received a message that someone had just been baptized and part of their conversion experience and their journey was through watching lineage videos. Like, you know, you know when you do an evangelism campaign, or, you know, you, you do an appeal and people come up and, 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 and they come for baptism. Or you're doing Bible study and then that person then says, hey, I'm ready to be baptized, baptized. You can put physical numbers on those things. But with media, you can't do that. So, like I said, God gives you those testimonies at the right time. But you just have no idea who you're impacting. 
I love that. There's a quote in Spirit of Prophecy that says thousands will be converted in one day, most of whom will trace their uh, first convictions back to our publications. Mm. Now, in LOS Day, publications meant books, tracts, and pamphlets. This, today, it also can be digital videos and, right. and, and whatnot. And, and that's really when the latter rain is poured out. There's so many seeds, thousands and millions of seeds planted through Hope Channel, 3ABN, mm. all the YouTube channels that people are making and, and really creating content where people are really spending their time. Exactly. Um, and we will only know. And praise God, though, because God does pull back the curtain sometimes and lets us see the fruits of our labor. Mm -hmm. But I think digital missions in many ways is a seed planting ministry, even though there are immediate effects as well. I have a friend who's a, who's a YouTuber, and he really is uh, the church for many people around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the spiritual videos that he produces on a weekly basis are church because they don't live in a country where there's a church. They don't live in a family that supports them going to church or they don't know of a church, mm -hmm. but they watch spiritual videos every week and right. it, it is church for them. Yeah. And when, when they're ready, th they will come to the truth, which right. is beautiful. Just touching on that quickly. Um, a few years ago, I put, I put together this presentation um, about digital evangelism and um, I was trying to get some statistics of um, how effective our, our media ministries are, you know, in, within the church. And um, I managed to get some statistics from um, AWR, Events As Well Radio. And actually, they were the highest downloadable podcasts were coming from AWR in the world. They were so high that um, someone from AWR got um, invited to Apple's headquarters um, to speak to them, you know, to ask them, you know, how, how is this so effective? What are you guys doing? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this has the power to go to the corporate world. You know, it has the power to go anywhere. So, yeah, no, that's really powerful. And before we do a closing testimony, um, talk to me about the importance of excellence. Um, and, you know, th there's a verse in the Bible that says we should be the head, not the tail. And obviously mm -hmm. there's an immediate context uh, application for that that's in the Bible. But I think that principle can also be translated into what we do as mm -hmm. digital missionaries and that many times the world is always advancing. They're always setting the standard for what is the normal. They're the one inventing the new cameras. They're the yeah. one. Uh, creating YouTube and Twitter and Snapchat, et cetera. Why should Christians strive to not just follow the trends, but to create trends? Um, not to become famous necessarily, but to make an impact for God's kingdom. So I think um, the first thing is excellence. Um, media within our church is, pr uh, apart from recent years, has predominantly been events-based. So as, a, as an Adventist, we're really, really, really good at covering events. So we have GYCs every year. You know, we have ASIs, we have, you know, we have GC sessions, you know, we have camp meetings, most people. And, you know, we, we film these sermons and each week we're not so good, haven't been so good, should I say, at doing stuff outside of the church setting. And if we have, it's been to a pretty low standard at times. You know, we've had new things come out recently, Tell the World and different podcasts um, like yourself, Lineage, for example. Um, so I think Excellence is really important because what I've noticed is when, when stuff is excellent, the world will watch it. When it's done to a poor standard, they're like, well, we've got Hollywood. You know, we've got, and I'm not, sure, I'm not familiar with your broadcast channels here, but you know, we've got Fox or whoever it is that you guys have over here. We've got BBC in England. So why would that be appealing to me if, it's, if the sound is really bad, if I can't hear what they're saying, if the camera's all shaky or, or if the audio quality is bad? You know, excellence is, is really, really important. You know, God has called us to be excellent in what we do. You know, he's not calling us to be sloppy. There's many quotes, many Bible texts about being sloppy and um, about doing your best. And if you're doing it for the Lord, especially doing your best. So I think excellence is very important. One, because 
we're doing stuff for God. This is not for, this is not for me. This is for God. And if it's for God, it has to be to the best of my ability. That does not mean that you have to be amazing before you can release stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to do the best to your ability. And then when you do something, you need to grow. You need to learn. You need to, you need to watch back your videos and be like, I wouldn't do that again, but I, I should try doing it this way. I, I do that to myself. I watch back some of the linear gestures that I've created, and I'm like, did I really do that? And, and this is two years on. You know, so I, I'm very critical of myself, but also that, that criticism can't just come from me. I have to be like, hey, my friend Mark or my friend Jasper or, or other people who are, who are, who are uh, uh, good filmmakers within the Adventist church. I'd be like, hey, can you watch my stuff and let me know um, how I can improve this? We've we got to be accountable to each other and understand that we are brothers and all have the same goal. You know, excellence has got to be one of those. I want to ask you uh, to comment on a potential objection that many young people and many, especially older adults, uh, will say, because people say that social media is absolutely horrid, it's bad, it destroys our young people, which is true. Um, but one thing that I've realized is that we're not going to get our generation off of our phones. Our, we're very dependent. Mm -hmm. uh, just That's just where our system is. And we should rather produce great content for our young people mm -hmm. and to dilute some of the negative influences that are on social media for them. Now, Becoming a digital missionary involves creating content, but you also need to promote it. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, you do that through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Right. But there also is the trap of not only when you're promoting that, you can get sucked in to be a consumer of bad content yourself. Give us some tips and maybe meet that objection and, and some guidelines on how a young person can guard their heart and soul to not get caught up in the world by being on social media, but at the same time using it as a tool and a platform to promote Christian principles. Yeah, I think you have to be very careful. And the, fir the first thing that you got to do is, is set for yourself boundaries. So for me, um, the first ministry I ever ran, I, um, I basically tried to do everything. And that became a problem. So um, I would do the videos, you know, I would update some of the website, I would do the social media. Um, so basically, trying to do everything. Now, there may be a stage where you have to do that. But as your ministry grows, what can happen is you can get sucked in and you can start losing your mind because you're trying to do everything that either you start turning back and doing other things that you shouldn't turn back into the, to the world for experience or you, know, you fall off and you think, oh, I can't do this anymore because you're so stressed out of how things are going. So guarding myself from that, you have to get other people to help. You, know, you have to be a team. And like I said, it's not always feasible. Someone may not be the same wavelength as you, but if you're sincere and you pray about it, God will put the right people within you know, your sphere. When, when um, Lineage got started, there was just myself and Adam who does the speaking. And um, it, was, it was really tough. But um, before you knew it, um, this team had evolved from two to like eight. And then we had a so someone running social media, so that I didn't have to worry about that. We had someone else you know, doing the graphics and and. and doing the photography, oh, I don't have, that's another thing off my plate. There's someone else doing marketing, oh, that's another thing off my plate. So you can really then focus on what you're called to do. We're not, we're not called to do everything, you know? We're called to, to, um, to work in a team, to, to be unified, to share things out, to distribute things out. So now I can focus on what my actual talent is. My talent's not graphic design. My talent's not social media. My talent is videography and editing, and that's really what I want to focus on. But in terms of getting sucked into the whole social media thing, I think setting time frames to say, okay, I'm going to spend an hour or I'm going to spend half an hour a day, 
and this is the time that I'm going to do it, and this is the only time that I'm going to do it, on, on, on sharing, on getting posts ready, or, you know, there's various tools out there where you can schedule posts over a, a, a week or a month, so you can just do it all in one day if you wanted to. Um, so I think time management is key, because otherwise, you, first of all, like you said, you have to guard your, guard your heart. So you need to make sure that none of these things are leading you on, on down the wrong path. But if you identify that they are, then you need to take a, take a step back. I'll, give you, I'll be real and be really personal. I found myself on Facebook and Instagram and just scrolling, and before you know it, an hour's gone, you know? So the first thing you gotta do, right, I'm deleting these apps. You gotta run, you gotta do a Joseph. You gotta run from the problem, you know? And then over time, if the Lord is um, convicting you that you're, you're ready enough to go back, then what you can do is, you know, slowly start introducing stuff, but set yourself boundaries. And again, if you find yourself losing your way, run and start again. It's just like any temptation or any sin. You know, you have to, you have to run like Joseph. Absolutely. I believe that God uh, is not going to call you to do something that's going to be compromising to exactly. your salvation. Exactly. And so be wise and ask God for help. Seek accountability. Ask people to help you out so you don't have to do everything. I think that's beautiful. Clive, in closing, can you share with us a, an appeal for the young people? Uh, we want to be activated. We want to be mobilized and empowered to be a greater a witness for Jesus. Why should people consider being a digital missionary? I think people should consider being a digital missionary because, like we said previously, we, we are, we're not the tail with the head. And um, we are living in a generation right now where this is all people are consuming. And we've said this over and over again, and there is a need. You know, there's a need in this field right now for quality media to be produced so that young people, old people, older folk, new generations, this timeless material could be spread throughout the world. This is the gospel. Um, just like there's a need for missionaries to go to China, India, America, everyone knows that missionaries are needed in all countries, all around the world. I say that because Jesus hasn't come yet. If, if, if it was the case, we wouldn't need to be missionaries. But... Um, there's missionaries that are needed in America, missionaries that are needed in England, missionaries that are needed in Asia, uh, India, Australia, wherever you, whatever country you live in, missionaries are needed right there and then. But guess what? The internet is its own country. And you can find someone on the internet just like you're handing out a glow track to someone. You give someone a glow track, they go home, they read it, and they may find, uh, have a seed into the, the, the word, into the gospel. It's the same thing on the internet. It's, it's planting a seed. We're not called to convict. We're called to plant the seed. And these are seeds that are timeless. A glow track, someone may watch it, may read it, throw it in the bin, you know, burn it, whatever they do with it, you know, it's entirely up to them. Or it might convict them. It's the same thing with, with media. They may watch it, they may listen to it. It could be a conviction, but guess what? It can't disappear. It's not like literature where you can just throw it away. This is here forever. They can't delete my YouTube account. They can't delete my podcast. So it's timeless. So if that person doesn't like it, you know, I could go and do something else in five years time and that's still there, like we've said previously. So someone else may find that. So my appeal to young people is, go out and be brave. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Go out, create content, get it online, get counsel from older people if you need to, get some accountability from older people if you need to, um, work as a team, but most of all, commit your gift and your talent, no matter what it is to Christ, pray about it and just let him lead.
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with your friends. To learn more, check us out at learnandsharepodcast.com.